Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf, your host. And today I have back my favorite cat expert, Dusty Rainbow, the cat wrangler herself. Welcome to the show, Dusty. Well, thank you for having me. I'm always glad to be here with you and your listeners. And so let's get this party going. Well, today I want to talk about dumb cats and <laughs> smart cats and friendly cats and cats that are difficult at the vet. And a lot of times people think that that has nothing to do with breed, but uh-uh, not true. So we're gonna go through some of these bratty, difficult, sweet and smart and cuddly and all sorts of different personality traits that go with the breeds. Because if you are thinking of getting a cat or a second or third cat, and there's something you really want, like you really want a cat that isn't noisy, or you really want a cat that communicates, or you really want a cat that's playful, or you really want a cat that's chill, then you might want to listen to this show because getting the wrong cat can be a real problem for the peace and tranquility of your house. Right, Dusty? Absolutely. But we are definitely opening a can of worms because I, you know, I know a lot of breeders and they all think their kitties are perfect and they are. So I will do my best. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, I find that interesting because Sometimes when I'm reading through the dog breed books or the cat breed books, like I was doing for the show, you'll get a breeder who adores their animal, but they can't help but be honest. So like, I'll give you an example. When I was reading about the serval cats, this one person was going on and on about how wonderful they are and noble and excellent and all these great things. But then she says, she says, the serval cat is a 30 pound cat. So it needs a gigantic litter box, which it may not use. <laughs> okay. So like reading through the lines, that tells me if you're a house clean fanatic, you don't want this cat. 30 pound cat has very large poops and very large litter box and may and not very use large ladders. <laughs> yes. And may not use from the lady who loves them more than anything else. Uh Oh, that's warning bells for me. That's an honest review. And actually let's talk about the servals because servals are probably the most expensive cat on the market right now. I met a couple that paid 35,000 Canadian dollars for mm, each mm, mm. of their two serval cats. And the kicker for me is they aren't even a mating pair. They're sterile. They're spay and neutered. They paid $35,000 for a cat. So, okay. So you think, well, this must be some fantastic cat. Does it mow the lawn? Does it do the dishes? No, <laughs> <laughs> no but it will live for 22 years. It's 30 pounds, like we said before. So, you know, a normal cat's 10 to 15. So three times the size of the poop and the pee, right? Like that's a lot of waste. And then you can't have them with kids and you can't have them with pets. Okay. They have very strong claws and teeth and they like to play hard. Their bite is 172 newtons in force compared to a normal cat, which is 56. So like three times the, the bite power. And they're incredible jumpers. So we've got like, oh, oh, and they're nocturnal and they have to eat special food. So, I mean, would you pay $35,000 for this many caveats? 
Well, no. And as a matter of fact, you were talking a little earlier about the litter box. I interviewed a, a gentleman for my ghost cat book and his serval came back as a ghost, but that's a different story. When I was interviewing him, he was telling me that when he sprayed, when the cat sprayed, it was like opening a fire hose. So, uh, you know, and I do want to tell people the closer to the wild you get, the more behavior problems you're going to have. You know, that's not to say that um, a cat that's been bred to be with humans, like say the Persian or the Siamese doesn't have behavior problems, but the closer you get to a natural cat in the wild, the more wild traits you're going to have. Like early on, and, and again, I'm changing the subject a little bit, but not really. When we first, when we got our first Turkish van, our cat was four generations out of the wild of Turkey, out of the streets or the hills of Turkey. So, you know, that's something you need to think about. If, if it's uh, closer to that wild cat, you're going to have more problems and it's not the cat's fault. You know, he is doing what he was made to do. And, uh, you know, so if you need a cat to be compliant, you need to get one of the more traditional breeds that have had those wild traits bred out of them. So, okay, now that I've said that. <laughs> well, no, I think that's, that's important. And even with dogs, people sometimes think they want a tough dog, a confident dog. Mm. So, that, so they think I'm going to get a wolf cross. There's not, that's so not true. A wolf cross is cagey. He's wary. He's likely to not be trusting. He doesn't come across as confident at all. He seems insecure. He's always pacing. He's nervous. He's, he's wild. He doesn't belong in the city. And I think that's kind of the same thing with these cats. You know, yeah, they can survive on their own. These serval cats, they're illegal in a lot of places because they kill other pets and they bring down farm animals. And I mean, they're, they're really quite wild. So if you like the idea of a wild cat without the behavior, then maybe a Bengal is more your speed. What do you think about that, Dusty? Well, as a matter of fact, I was getting ready to suggest <laughs> okay. that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's uh, a good example of a, a cat that looks wild, is is a little closer to the uh, wild than, than, say, the Persian or the Abyssinian, but Yes, that is definitely a, a better option than, say, the, the servals or the savannas. And I think the savanna is, uh, I think the savanna may have serval in them. But um, anyway, yeah, you know, I, I'm not crazy about that. If, if you have a big enclosure, if you have a huge house, if you have a, a floor that's uh, the, the uh, ceramic tile, and you don't care about your furniture, then then that's one thing. But, you know, to get one of these cats and put it in a cage or put it in a single room, that's just not fair. And, you know, you're not going to have, as a rule, that cuddly buddy that you want. I mean, if you want a wild cat, then that's fine. But, you know, they're not good house cats. I mean, I have cats that are definitely domestic cats. And it's very difficult confining them to the yard. So you can imagine how destructive a, um, a wild cat is going to be. So, yes, a bingle is a better choice. And, uh, you know, I've known some people that have had behavior problems with them because, again, they're closer to that wild threshold than, say, other breeds. 
but yes, it's a much better option. Well, Bengal also makes the list of quiet cats. So while we're on the topic, before we go to a commercial break, I'm just going to give that list and we can talk about these when we come back. If you can't stand the sound of a Siamese (laughs) whining and complaining and talking to you all the time, then you might want to look at the quiet list. So on the quiet list, we have the Abyssinian, the American curl cat, uh, the American short hair, the Bengal, the Burman, the British short hair, and the Rex Cornish. So that gives you quite a lot of choices if you're looking for a quiet cat. We're going to go to the break, come back and talk to Dusty Rainbow a little bit more about cats, of course, on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Stay tuned. How many of you have pets? My hand's raised. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life. And that pet is lucky to have you too. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. So we developed Bob's for dogs and cats to help pets in need. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear or fun, stylish apparel, or even the cutest Bob's pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love to help save shelter pets. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and raised over $7 million. So while you're getting style and comfort with features like Skechers' famous memory foam cushioning, you're also helping to save an adorable pet in need and helping another lucky owner be connected with a future best friend and companion because happiness is having a loving pet by your side. Find Bob's at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, select pet co-locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, we're back on Animal Party, Pet Life Radio. So the quiet cats, Dusty, what do you think about them? Are there any that stand out in your mind from that list of Abyssinian, American curl cat, American short hair, Bengal, Burman, British short hair, and Rex Cornish? Any of those stand out as being, I don't know, eccentric or different or good? Oh, well, they're they're all fabulous. And I did also want to caveat uh, this discussion with, you know, every cat's an individual. So just because you get a quiet breed doesn't mean that your individual kitty is going to necessarily be a quiet cat. So, you know, of course, you got a better chance. but Well, and some of it is you, right? Like in our case around here. There was this cat, Zeno, we adopted. And so because of her name, right away, I started calling her, you know, like the show. And she's our noisiest cat. But I did that. I did mm-hmm. that. Right. She greets me with that noise. She's every time she walks into a room, she makes a noise. But we, we kind of taught her that. So it's sort of up to you a little bit. If you reward the whining, you're going to get more whining because you're exactly. teaching the cat that that's that's what you want. But it is nice to pick a quiet one, a quiet breed, and then work from there if that's your goal. Absolutely. And it's kind of surprising to me because I've had two uh, Tonkinese types that, uh, you know, they look very Siamese and they have not been talkative at all, either one of them. So uh, that to me is very surprising because you would think with those Siamese origins that uh, you would have had a more talkative cat. But uh, yeah, those two seldom actually talk. But Yeah, I think all of those are are good choices as far as quiet cats. And you may also want to, if you're 
if you're getting a pedigreed cat from a breeder, you might want to talk to the breeder and, and ask them specifically, how talkative are your cats? Because, you know, hopefully they'll be, they'll be honest with you. But, you know, if it comes from a talkative line, then eh, might want to keep going if that's not what you like. To be honest, I love it when cats talk to me, although I've never had a full-blooded Siamese, so I've never had to deal with that. <laughs> you know what? I like it when cats talk to me, too. It's the similarity of the baby needing something and the sound of the Siamese that distresses. Because yes. it really does. It, it's just so, so similar to a baby calling you from another room. Like, and it's just so, so it, it takes me a few seconds. I immediately think it's a baby. And then I tell them, no, it's a cat. No, it's everything's fine. And I just, I'm, uh, I don't like that. It's just not, not for me. So <laughs> I don't like cats that sound like uh, needy babies. So needy. <laughs> let's talk about needy. I've heard that the Sphinx is quite needy, that they like people and they like to cuddle, but they're needy. Are there some cats you can think of where if you really want an independent cat, it's not fair to get this one because it really, really needs to be held? Well, let's talk about the ones that are needy. And the Sphinx is an excellent example of that because they have only peach fuzz for fur, uh, you know, and we've bred them for that. They have a very, very high need for warmth. They need to wear sweaters. I mean, I know you see the, the, the cats with the sweaters and you go, oh my gosh, isn't that a little overkill? No, those guys need heat. They need warmth. They love body heat. So that's one of the reasons why they're such good lap cats is because your lap is warmer than the, the couch next to them. On the other end of that needy aspect, and I'm not talking about personality, I'm talking about physical need, are Persians. Because they have, I mean, who doesn't want a Persian with that luxurious coat? But do you have 30 minutes a day to comb it or brush it every single day? Because if you miss, especially during shedding season, you're going to have some problems. You know, you don't want to shave that gorgeous coat, but uh, sometimes... You have to, because if you haven't kept up with it, you're going to need to. It's a okay, master. So, yeah, I want to answer your question. I know it's supposed to be rhetorical. Who does not want to have a Persian cat? I do not want to have a Persian cat because I have trained so many of them because of this very issue. The people didn't brush it. The people didn't groom it. Now they got it sedate it to have it clipped or groomed or go anywhere. Now the cat is really not very nice anymore because it's always uncomfortable. It has mats and sores and unsightly blemishes and doesn't want to be touched. The cat changes its personality entirely just because it didn't go to someone who wanted to brush it every day. And that, that's really, they need to go to a home where you will brush it every day, right? Absolutely. And this brings on another issue about the Persian. Oh, Again, I know I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to have people mad at me, but Persians do have an awful lot of health problems and one of the the problems that they have is they tend to be one of the breeds with the highest rate of inappropriate elimination. And there could be a number of reasons for that. And one thing is, you know, their health. You know, they have been so bred with that flat face and they they suffer from a lot of health issues. So they probably just feel bad sometimes, you know, they just feel it's bad. So sad. That's so sad. It's like uh, loyalty know, with all their illnesses from inbreeding, you know, it's absolutely. terrible. 
And and then you think of like with planes, if you fly a lot, you can't, you don't want to have a cat. If you want to take your cat on the plane, you don't want to have a cat with a squished in face. That's what we're talking about. These, they have a harder time with flight and way more rules against them for flying. So you have to watch out for that. So getting back to the the litter box, uh, they do they do have this high incidence of inappropriate elimination. Who knows why an individual cat does? It's you know I wrote a whole book on it. So, but one of the problems is the litter. Cats with long fur. If you use a clumping litter, the litter gets caught on the the long fur and the tufts of their their feet. So you want to use a non-clumping litter because, you know, you think about it. If you have these clumps on your feet and every step is painful and you know you got the clump in the litter box, you're not going to want to go to the litter box. So if you do get Persians or cats with a lot of fur in their, their pads, then you want to go with a non-clumping litter. And uh, also another problem is if you don't keep up with the uh, grooming, then sometimes they actually have uh, their little bloomers in the back get matted and matted together. So some of these cats can get so matted that they can't, they can't go to the bathroom. Oh, and that is so terrible. It and is. It, it, it's there. They're basically the poop collects in the hair and it becomes a big tangly mat and it just continues and continues and continues until the cat is really in distress. It cannot use the washroom. So if you're the type of person that really isn't vigilant, you don't want to groom every day, just don't get one of these cats. Get one with short hair. Like, do it a favor. If you are the type of person who loves to brush your daughter's hair and your hair and you're totally into hair and you want to brush your cat every day, go for it. That's the cat for you. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I just can't stress that enough. These cats are so labor intensive and, you know, I love them. I think they're beautiful. Oh, well, I like the ones with the noses. I don't like the ones with the squished in faces. I enjoy any cat. But I can tell you right now, I would not be able to keep up with one of those. I mean, you know, you think about, well, when you go on vacation and you leave it with the pet sitter, is the pet sitter going to be able to uh, keep up with the grooming wherever you, you board them? Are they going to be able to do that? Because, you know, it just takes a couple of days for those mats to start. So that's just one of the things I would consider. And when you're talking about any long-haired cat, that's something to consider. The uh, one exception to that is Turkish vans who don't have undercoats and they generally don't mat, but they do shed. So, <laughs> so Turkish vans, they're the swimmers, right? I mean, that just seems unreal to me. Cats that like to swim, but they do, don't they? They do. Okay. So again, caveat here. I do have Turkish bands. I am highly prejudiced, <laughs> <laughs> very opinionated when it comes to them. They are fabulous cats. Um, when I got my first Turkish man, she was, I think, four generations out of the streets of Turkey or out of the hills of Mount Ararat. And uh, she was not as social as they are today. This is 29 years later. So we're several generations past and uh, they've been bred to be much more friendly. So that said, they in the wild, the legend is that these are the cats that came off of Noah's Ark because they are found at the base of Mount Ararat. And they actually swim in the wild. They swim in the Saline Van Lake because it's very hot. And their fur has even evolved to shed water kind of like a duck. They don't have that undercoat 
So it doesn't get matted the way a normal cat does. But I can tell you that, you know, if you don't brush them occasionally, they can develop mats. I mean, especially if they're older and they don't have the flexibility in their spine, you can't depend on no grooming whatsoever. But they do give the appearance of a, a long-haired cat, or they are long-haired cats, but without quite the maintenance that, say, Persians or Maine Coons may have. We're going to go to break and come back and talk about Maine Coons. Stay tuned on Animal Party Cat Life Radio. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Hello, we're back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio, and we are all over the place with different types of cats. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but Dusty Rainbow, my guest, the cat wrangler herself, she just mentioned Maine Coons, and they come up on the list of friendliest, along with Burmese, Sphinx, Ragdoll, Abyssinian, Siamese, and the Maine Coon has this darling little nickname, America's Cat. Because it is the friendliest. So what can you tell us about the Maine Coon? Okay, well, it's also called the Gentle Giant because they are the largest breed in uh, CFA. And uh, they're big. They're huge cats. But, oh, my goodness, they are so sweet. They're wonderful cats. I would have 50 of them if I could. <laughs> I don't have one at the moment, but I've had rescues. And they are. They're just so big and gentle, and they seem to get along with other cats pretty well. Of course, again, individuals, uh, there are always exceptions. So just because I say they get along with other cats doesn't necessarily mean that a specific cat will. But yeah, they're very gentle, and they're easy to work with. But they... They do require grooming. And I, I will say that um, we were talking about health issues. One of the things you need to know is that this breed does have a tendency toward cardiomyopathy. And uh, they can, on occasion, get uh, hip dysplasia, like a, a big dog. So you need to make sure that uh, if you get it from a breeder, that these health problems do not run in their lines. I've met Maine Coon before. But I'm never quite sure if they're 100% or, and I've seen them in cat shows, but they're usually at a distance. They look like they're 20 pounds. Are they 20 pounds or are they more? 
Well, I, you know, I, I think that that depends on, as I recall, their their breed standard is about 18, but okay. I've seen some, I've seen some Maine Coons that I could put an English saddle on. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're huge. Okay. They okay. So, 20 back. so just like a very, very large cat, but they are not, very not like a raccoon, a little smaller. Okay. <laughs> it depends on the raccoon, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've, I found when I've worked with them that they're super chill. They're just like really easygoing and cuddly and calm and, what about these other ones? The friendliest cats, the ragdoll, the Siamese. He, to me, that's very different than the Siamese, who's interactive and friendly, but in a different kind of a way, very busy. And the Abyssinian, too, interactive, but more so for things like agility and chasing toys. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And uh, the, the thing about the Abyssinian, they are lovers. Oh, my goodness, they are lovers. But they are extremely active cats, as are Turkish vans. So if you get one, they need to be busy. You need to have food puzzles. You need to uh, play with them and, and wick off some of that energy. Because if you don't, if you don't do that, then, then you're going to have problems with uh, all kinds of destructive behavior. So, uh, you know, you get some of these more active breeds and uh, they look wonderful, but, you know, uh, you do have to take into account that what, what they can't get in your house, you are going to have to replace as far as activity. Because let's face it, cats were designed to go out and hunt eight hours a day. And some of these cats still have that real active need and they're very mentally, they're in tune. So, you know, you keep them, need to keep them mentally stimulated. When, um, when I'm helping people pick a puppy, a lot of times, like recently I had this family in, and the man was gravitating toward this very hyperactive, sweet and smart, but very go-getter uh, Labradoodle. And the lady and her two very calm, gentle kids who are going to be with the dog more and the dog is meant for the children, they were gravitating toward this really soft-natured follower-type dog, a smaller golden doodle, very uh, calm. And, you know, I was trying to steer them toward that one because that's the one for them. But sometimes it's hard to steer people. Sometimes they like that, you know, and I had to say to them, well, do you want this in your house all the time? Do you want the scrum and the play? This quiet puppy will play but it will also settle. And your children are so calm and quiet. This is a really good match. For the more hyper puppy, I would love to see a family that's got a, you know, a couple of kids who like to play hockey on the road and, and want to chase it around the house and kind of thing that maybe the calmer puppy wouldn't want to have anything to do with, you know, because it's, it's really an individual thing. But you have to consider when you're meeting that pet for the first time on adoption day, you know, it can be really winning and adorable to see the most active, playful one. But is that really the one you want? Usually you want something in the middle, not the quietest and not the most hyper. Something in the middle is going to be easier, usually. And I think that's true for cats, too. Absolutely. And now this doesn't have to do with a specific breed, but it does have to do with breeders. You need to make sure that the kitties were raised underfoot rather than in a cattery, uh, you know, in a cage. Underfoot, there's a critical period between three and seven weeks when kittens learn behaviors and they learn to be friendly or not be friendly or whatever. And if they're stuck in a cage, 
then they're not going to be as friendly and outgoing as, say, a, a kitten that was raised under your feet who has heard the sound of the, the vacuum cleaner and may not like it, but knows it's not going to eat them. So, you know, that's something that's really important is make sure the kitten has been raised in the house with the people rather than in an isolated room. You know what? With puppies, there's a window around three months, four months is when their mother or their adoptive family or their human family is teaching them what to be afraid of and what not to be afraid of. And it's very primitive imprinting time. And you can, of course, change it later. A, a dog can, you know, not be around cars, for example, and be very, very afraid of them when he first gets in a car. And then, you know, through lots of short, happy car rides and it, you can diffuse that and make him love the car. You can. But it's always easier to have a puppy or a, or a kitten in this informative stage when they're doing this very basic learning and bonding to be experiencing the things you want them to experience later and getting to know what's safe and what's not safe and that humans are safe. It's really, really critical. So it's so important. And I totally agree with you there. Okay. So unfortunately, I have this huge list, more, more lists. <laughs> The aggressive at the vet, the dumbest cats. I want to get to that one. Oh, so dear. we're going to have to do another show right away. I'm going to have you back right away because we ran out of time. We're going to end this show and I'm having you back. So if you're listening and you want to know who the dumbest cats are, I'll give you a hint. We've talked about some of them already today. <laughs> <laughs> who the most playful are. Well, we're going to go through it. Who's aggressive at the vet and does color have anything to do with it? Well, you might be surprised it actually does. So if you've got a cat out there that isn't a purebred cat, isn't pedigreed, but maybe it's a tabby or a gray and white or a calico, we got something for you on the next show. So check out my next show with Dusty Rainbow when we cover the rest of uh, these lists that I've made of the quirkiest cats. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dusty. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, if people are interested in my books, they're available on Amazon. And uh, you can go to my website, DustyCatWriter.com. And that's D-U-S-T-Y-C-A-T-W-R-I-T-E-R.com. Thank you very much, Dusty. All right, everybody. From me, Deb Wolf, and Animal Party Pet Life Radio, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.